Let's say you lend your friend $400 because they're your best friend and you would genuinely do anything to help them. But then a couple years go by and you start to feel resentful about all the money you've given them. You wonder if you're being taken advantage of. What are you supposed to do? Hazelnuts, that is a great question. Welcome back to Hello Hayes. I'm Hayes. It's me you're saying hello to. And this week on the show, we're having tough conversations about money with each other first so that then you can go feel more confident and comfortable when you have them with your people. Here's the rundown for the episode. In letter one, we have not a penny pincher, which is that first topic I mentioned, where one friend is happy to loan some money to her bestie, but after years of no repayment, is starting to feel icky about it. In letter two, suddenly the breadwinner. A recent college grad lives with her boyfriend who's having trouble securing a job and making rent. And in letter three, we have no strings attached. A friend in a higher paying job wants to help someone who's tighter on cash. All right, let's not waste time, let's get right to it. Hello, Hayes. What would you do in this situation? Over the last couple of years, my OG bestie, who's also a North Star bestie, has been pretty tight on money. She's asked to borrow from me a couple of times, which I was happy to do as I care for her so much. In the span of two years, I've given her about $400. I've noticed that each time, shortly after borrowing money from me, she's dropped hundreds of dollars on tattoos, flights, and other things. It feels off that each time she makes enough disposable income on her own, she spends it on these things instead of paying me back. I have a pretty well-paying job, so the money isn't much in the grand scheme of things, but the principle of it has me feeling icky. I don't need the money back right now, but I can't help but feel taken advantage of, especially since we are such good friends. Would you say something in this situation, Hayes? I want to protect my boundaries, but I don't want to seem penny-pinching. Yours, not a penny-pincher. Mm. So whether I, Hayes, would say something in this scenario is so dependent on what the initial conversation was when I gave her the money in the first place. So. I'd probably start by asking myself, was I clear with my expectations when I gave this person money? Did we ever even talk about the fact that I expected to be paid back? How I would be paid back? How quickly? Did I position the money as a gift? Like, was I even clear about what the money was? Was this two big payments or was this like covering coffees and dinners and small stuff over the course of two years, which is a very long time for two best friends? Did that just add up over two years? Like thinking about my own friends who I've been friends with for many years. I cover things all the time, and vice versa. That information, I'd ask myself those questions, not to blame myself, but to gather information. And that information gathering would be so important for me as I figure out what to do in my current situation, but also what to do moving forward. I think that any tough situation that I find myself in begins with information gathering. If I'm able to not be emotional, sometimes I have reactions to things that are just purely emotional, and first I just have the emotional reaction, and then I switch gears into the information gathering. But if I can, I begin with information gathering, because that helps me figure out what to do. So you definitely have to do something. Uh, You definitely have to do something. You have to do something right now to address this specific situation, but also what to do if the situation comes again and moving forward. Because what's happening right now is not working for you. And I know that you notice that because you talk about wanting to protect your boundary. But I have to ask you, not a penny pincher, what is the boundary that you're trying to protect? I'm not sure if you know what it is at this point. A boundary is something, I want to remind you, a boundary is something that is yours, that you control. It isn't about trying to control someone else's behavior. So a boundary in this situation could be, I don't lend my friends money. Or I don't lend friends money that I need back. I only will lend money that I don't, that I'm okay not getting back. A boundary could be, if I lend someone money, I will be clear that I expect it back. And if I don't get it back, my boundary is that I will ask about it. I won't just let it, I won't just let it years go by 
And I won't just silently judge how they're spending their money on my own without saying anything. So speaking up could be a boundary that you set. A boundary is not, my friend can't spend money on things until she pays me back the money she owes me. So I think you should, I would try to get clear about what your boundary is. If you want to set a boundary, that feeling of, I want to protect my boundaries right now, I think that's important to trust and listen to. But what is the boundary you're trying to protect? Is it realistic? Is it a correct use of the term? And then we can go from there. I do think an interesting boundary for you might be that you don't lend friends money. Maybe that's a learning lesson here, is that you don't actually want to loan people money, even the people that you really, really care about, because you notice that it elicits this reaction in you, which doesn't make you bad, by the way. I think there's a reason that lending money is such a thing people recommend not doing. People, There's a reason people say don't lend your friends money that you're not willing to get back. And if you are going to give money, maybe you only do it when there's truly no expectation of receiving anything in return. Um, I also want to talk to you about the fact that you feel taken advantage of by someone that you claim is your best friend, um, a North Star bestie, OG bestie combo. And quick refresher to anyone listening who doesn't know my six besties theory. The six besties theory is a framework that I created that helps us better understand the different friends we have in our life, the different people we have in our life, and helps us get really in tune with our expectations of them, whether our expectations are fair or realistic, whether we're expecting too much out of one person. Um, the OG bestie is typically a friend that you've known for a really long time. They've been in your life forever, and they're one of the most special friendships because of that. Uh, if they're still around, your friendship is standing the test of time. A challenge that sometimes comes up with an OG bestie is that one person doesn't allow the friendship to change. They say, they realize, they feel like if we haven't spoken in six months, we haven't caught up in a while, you are, we are no longer friends. True OG besties can allow space to happen. Trust You trust that you'll come back to each other. You know that when you're in need, they'll be there for each other. When something exciting happens, you'll be there for each other, but they might not be the person that you speak to all the time. You can still be extremely close to them, and they can still be considered a best friend, family, but you're not in such frequent, they're not your, you're, they're, you're not in such frequent communication with them. Sometimes your OG bestie is your North Star bestie, and I ter- use the term North Star bestie because that's like the person today that when you talk to them, you feel like coming home. The North Star is the guiding light. This is the friend in your life that's a guiding light. Your friend that's a guiding light typically doesn't make you feel taken advantage of. So the fact that you feel taken advantage of by this person who you say is a North Star bestie OG combo, so they currently are the guiding light in your life and you've also known them for a really long time, that spikes my hazy senses. You say, I don't need the money back right now, but I can't help but feel taken advantage of, especially since we're such good friends. Those two lines don't match up. If you are such good friends, I'm surprised that you feel taken advantage of. I would really sit with that statement for a second, because if you truly feel taken advantage of someone that you call your North Star bestie, they're either not really your North Star bestie, or they are your North Star bestie, and this situation is making you feel things that are real, but what you think is happening is not actually happening. So how do I explain that better? Do you feel taken advantage of because you are being taken advantage of? Because this friend is taking advantage of you? Or do you feel taken advantage of because you're uncomfortable with hard conversations? You're uncomfortable talking about money. You're an overthinker. Uh, You have your own deeply opinionated beliefs about how people should spend their money. I don't know. I don't know if you know either. But I'm really struck by the fact that you feel taken advantage of someone who you feel so close to. Something is not lining up here. 
And I think you need to think about why and what that is. The fact that you feel icky, that's really valuable information, always. <laughs> but it's on you to figure out, do I feel icky because um, of this isolated situation about money and I want my money back? And this, she is really, my North Star bestie, like really is a great friend. And I probably just shouldn't have lent her money. Like I just shouldn't have done this. Maybe I wasn't clear with her. Is that why you feel icky? Because you've sort of put yourself in an uncomfortable situation? maybe you both haven't handled it so well and now you have to deal with it? Or do you feel icky because this is a sign that the friendship is not actually a healthy one? However, if you, if you, if you sit with that and you feel like everything actually is rock solid in this friendship and you're just annoyed about not getting your money back or feeling regretful that you weren't as clear in the beginning about it, you have to just ask for it back. You have to just be brave and ask for it back and work through the uncomfortable conversation. You have to not allow yourself, you have to not allow it to spiral into a larger thing. Um, I suspect that this conversation might be uncomfortable for you and maybe for your friend. And with close friends, I think it's always okay to name how you feel about the conversation before it begins. So that might sound like, hey, North Star Bestie, <laughs> use her name, uh, I feel really weird talking about this, but I know that I have to. So I would keep it focused on just what she owes you and that you want it back. I don't think you should make it about how you notice that she's spending money on other things afterwards. Don't don't bring that up unless you absolutely have to. And I'm trying to even think about what a situation would be when you have to bring that up. I don't know. I would probably try to avoid that. I don't think it's a good habit to get into um, so closely observing how other people are spending their money because you don't really know what the situation is or what's going on. You just know that You've given her money and you want it back. And she has a responsibility to give it back to you if that was the arrangement. But if this reflection is making you think, you know what, I actually I actually give a lot in this friendship and don't receive anything back. This is actually one of many examples where I feel taken advantage of. Then maybe this is a different conversation you have with this friend. Or maybe it results in you taking a step back from the friendship and leaving the money on the table. I don't know. Only you can make that choice. I could imagine myself doing both, having a conversation with someone, trying to get my money back, even if I was ending the friendship. And I could also see myself, if the money was insignificant, um, if the amount of money that I owed, that someone owed me was insignificant, or if I felt like we, I was never clear in the first place that it was, that I was alone, and maybe I had just positioned it as like, I'm treating you to this, I might just leave it on the table and take a step back from the friendship. I don't think there's a clear right or wrong. You have to think about what makes most sense for you and what you're most comfortable with, within reason, because you gotta step outside of your comfort zone too a little bit. Either way, whatever you decide, I think that a clear takeaway for you could be, uh, I don't feel comfortable loaning money to my friends, so I'm not gonna do that again. Moving forward, I'm gonna set a boundary with myself that I'm not going to do that. Because those are the hardest boundaries to keep anyway, the ones we set with ourselves. Next up. Letter two. Hello, Hayes. How do I ask my boyfriends to pay me back for rent during a hard time? We both graduated college last year, and I'm currently getting my master's degree in our college town. He's decided to wait until I'm done with school to either attend grad school himself or find a fulfilling job. In the meantime, though, he's really struggled to find work. Even basic retail jobs are rejecting him or simply aren't hiring. I really want to stress, Hayes, that he is trying and isn't just a freeloading deadbeat. I see him apply to tons of jobs every day, and he's been trying to make money through side hustles like DoorDash, but it isn't much because we live in a small town. I'm feeling extremely guilty about his whole job situation, as he's literally making this huge career and financial sacrifice to support me in grad school and my future goals. We've talked about his financial situation before, but I think he's really embarrassed this time because he's never been able to not cover basic needs. 
Last month, he had a tough conversation with me about not being able to make rent and asked if I would temporarily cover him with the intent of paying me back. Well, the next month of rent is coming up and he still hasn't paid me back for last month and I'm not even sure if he has enough for this month either. I want to support him and I don't want money to be a huge strain in our relationship, but I'm on a fixed income from school and I literally cannot cover both of our portions. I don't want to put him down or create a weird power dynamic, but I get uncomfortable seeing him spend money on other little things here and there. I've tried to express this to him, but I'm not sure how to communicate this more strongly without sounding controlling or like I don't trust him. How should I approach this hard time while still being supportive? Yours, suddenly the breadwinner. <sighs> this is a really tough situation that you're in, suddenly the breadwinner. And I think that the sense, I think the sensitivity that you're bringing to it is wise. And I understand all of the feelings that are coming up as a result. Uh, the first, the first feeling that I want to talk to you about though, is your guilt. What do you feel guilty about exactly? You said that you feel guilty about his whole job situation and that he sacrificed so much in order to support you. I'm interested in what sacrifice your boyfriend has made. Is it a sacrifice to stay with you in your college town while you go back to school? Is it a sacrifice that he's made a decision to just like wait to start his adult life? <sighs> I don't know if that's the right use of the word sacrifice because sacrifice, a sacrifice is not doing something that will jeopardize or threaten your life. Um, hanging out with you while you go to school simply to be close to you without having a plan, that doesn't sound like a sacrifice. That sounds more like self-sabotage to me. You say he's making a huge sacrifice to support me and my future goals. How? By living with you? Did he turn down a great opportunity because he felt that he couldn't be away from you or you felt like you couldn't be away from him? I want to help you reframe this in your head a little bit. Not because I think that your boyfriend is bad or that he's a deadbeat, as you assure me that he's not and I trust you. I want you to reframe it because it sounds like you might be thinking that the fact that he chose to stay with you while you go to grad school, chose to stay with you in the college town, put his life on hold, it sounds like you think that means he's choosing you. And for that, you're like super grateful. You're so lucky. I'm so lucky that he's supporting me and he's putting his life on hold so that I can do this. But that's not actually what support is. Support is so much more than just being in the same place together. <sighs> supporting you, supporting your partner often also looks like you doing whatever you need to do so that you can be the most successful version of yourself. Him staying in the college town with you while you go to grad school, I'm not sure this actually is the most supportive. Does it feel supportive to you what's happening right now? I don't point that out to make him look bad. I think the job market is incredibly tough right now. It's, it's, it's such a hard time to be looking for jobs, but I don't want you to go into this conversation or this challenge through the lens of, oh, well, look at how much he's sacrificing for me. No, no, no. So now what to do? I think that a conversation absolutely is necessary, but if this is a person that you wanna be with long-term, I think this conversation is much bigger than you owe me some rent, you know? This conversation is about how you handle money as a partnership, if that's what you are. Is he your roommate or your partner? I think that's a really important question to ask yourself because I think that with a roommate, it's a little bit more black and white. You and I split this. You and I split this apartment and it's on you to figure out how to pay me for rent. However, in a partnership, depending on how you look at money in your partnership, this is like a both of us problem rather than just a him problem. Does this feel for you like it's a both of you problem? 
I think that's a really important question for you to ask yourself. Are you willing for it to be a both of you problem? Um, and if so, then the conversation is more like, we cannot afford rent if you are not working. I cannot cover rent by myself. So let's go through our options together. And then the two of you need to have a conversation about what's going to happen if he doesn't get a job. It doesn't sound like to me that he can, that putting off finding a job until you're done with school, it doesn't sound like that either of you are in a financial situation to pull that off. So that cannot be the solution anymore. Maybe he needs to move. Maybe you need to find another, maybe you need to find another apartment. I mean, I don't know what it's going to cost to break a lease, but sometimes the cost of breaking a lease is less money than the rent. Like if it's $1,000 to break the lease, that might be worth it so that your monthly payment is smaller. If you are a partnership, I think that the conversation, the way to be sensitive about it and not seem controlling is to make it seem like an us problem rather than just a him problem. So that's one piece. But I also just, just because it's the two of us alone right now, I wanna ask you and give you space to think about, are you ready to have this type of responsibility with another person? or with him, the type of conversation that I'm suggesting is a serious one. Like taking on somebody else's financial burden, sharing it with them, I think that's what it is. Sharing the financial burden with someone else, not taking it away from them, but sharing it, that is something you do for someone who you're committed to. And I would give yourself permission, even in just this conversation between the two of us, to think about, is this actually what I want? I'm not trying to suggest that money is everything and we should only be with people who can pay their weight the situation is forcing your relationship to mature very fast, um, as our relationships often do when we're faced with unforeseen, unexpected challenges. Sometimes they bring us closer together, and sometimes they're an opportunity for us to ask, is this what I really want? Is this the person that I want to go through life's hardships with? How do they respond to challenges? I just, while you talk with your boyfriend about this and while you figure out a solution together, make sure it's worth it. Make sure it feels worth it for you, and I hope that you can be honest with yourself about how you feel. For our final letter, hello Hayes. Is there an appropriate way to offer money to a friend where she knows it's a gift? I recently invited a friend to my birthday party at a dessert cafe, and she declined the invitation because she can't afford the trip. She's going back to visit her home country soon after about eight years of living abroad, and money is tight after paying for that trip. Initially, when she said this, I thought about offering to pay her section of the bill or just getting the whole bill so she could come. I was worried that this would embarrass her though, so I said nothing. The more I think about it, the more I'd like to do more than just cover the bill at my birthday. I want to give her some money as a gift. I don't have many friends, and I never thought I'd make any when I was younger. Now that I do, I want to support them. And since I'm fortunate to have a high-paying job, I want to support them financially. I don't want it to seem like a pity party, though. She's a hardworking and proud person. How do I approach this in a sensitive way? Yours, no strings attached. Hmm. So I have so many thoughts about this and whether it's okay to do. But the first thing I want to talk about is something you mentioned as an aside. Those are always the details that I'm most interested in, the things you just kind of brush aside but then stand out to me as super important. And that's that you didn't think you'd make any friends when you were young. Now that you have them, you want to support them. I just want you to know that you don't need to do anything extra. You don't need to prove your love for your friends in any way to keep them. I think sometimes... Uh, when we didn't have something for so long and then when we get it, we can feel like we have to do everything in our power to make sure it doesn't go away. And 
your circumstances when you were a child is not are not your circumstances now. And I understand the relief that comes with finally having something you never thought you did, but you don't need to buy anyone's love. I'm not I don't think that you think you need to buy someone's love, but I do get the sense just that uh you want to make up for lost time. You want to make sure everyone knows how much you love them. And they do. They do. They know through the small things you do. They know they know it doesn't take a big declaration of love like through money to keep your friends. So I just I wanted to just say that to you because I think that fear of loss, that fear of losing people might be influencing some of your desire for this grand gesture. So the answer to whether or not this is appropriate or kind, I think it's kind. I think it's kind no matter what. I think your intentions are kind. But I guess whether this is appropriate is so complicated. I do think that giving people money often leads to resentment. So part of me is cautious in general against giving it. And we see that actually in the next letter. I'm also cautious against, I'm also cautious for giving someone money, especially if your reasons for doing it are emotional. You never thought you'd have friends. Now you do. You want to share money with them. I think giving money for an emotional reason, should things not work out in that friendship or in that relationship, it could lead to resentment down the road. Now, is the possibility for resentment a good reason not to do something? I don't think so. I think that goes against a lot of what I think. I think that we should always do things for the people we love within reason, even if there's a possibility that we could be hurt down the line. Nothing is a sure thing. Nothing is a guarantee. But something about you wanting to do this because you're so grateful that you have good friends now when you didn't when you were little, something about that gives me pause. But to to question myself even further, though, in other types of relationships outside of friendships, so family relationships, romantic relationships, we do, it is more uh, acceptable, potentially. It's more socially acceptable to give people money when they're in need. So why why not friends? My gut says my gut says not to offer her money until you have a better understanding of her financial situation and how she feels and what she needs. So I do think you should say something to her, but not can I give you this money as a gift. So before offering to give her money, which could still be a potential nice thing to do, I would initiate a conversation about what she means when she says that money is tight. Because there's money is tight and I'm cutting back from dinners and social hangs, and then there's money is tight, and I'm worried about being able to afford my rent. I'm scared. There's more levels to the money is tight conversation than those two, of course, but I think that wherever she falls on the money is tight spectrum, a way to be a supportive friend is going to look different. If you ask her that question, hey, you mentioned the other day that money was tight after booking your trip home, and I want to I wanna just understand more about what you mean and see how I can be supportive. See how she responds to that. If she shuts down and isn't willing to have a conversation with you about it, is uncomfortable, I don't think you should push it. You can ask, you know, how can I be helpful? I think one of the best ways to be there for a friend is to ask them what they need. You can come with suggestions. So maybe one of your suggestions does include giving her some money. But don't assume that money is actually the thing that she needs from you as a friend. That's a great overall lesson. When we have a friend in need, don't assume that there's only one thing that they need from us. There's only one way we can be helpful. Sometimes when someone's going through a very specific hard time, the way that they want support, the way they need support, actually has nothing to do with that thing. Just because money is tight doesn't mean that she needs money. Money might not actually, money from you might not be the thing that's helpful for her. What are some other ways 
I'm trying to think of what are some other ways that you could be helpful to this friend. Offering to drive her to the airport or pick her up from the airport. Inviting her over to dinner and you treating or you cooking. Those are some ways to support someone who's going through a tough time financially without gifting them money. So those are just some other ideas for you. The takeaway here is that I would not, I would not from the get-go offer to give her money. I would first see if she's even open to having a conversation with you about the tough financial situation she's in and offer to help in some other ways that are still genuine but are less um, less rooted in like, here's a cash gift. That's where I'd start. And that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next Tuesday. Um, if you've got ideas for topics that you want me to cover in Hello Haze, please feel free to send me a note. I want to cover what you want me to cover. Um, you can send me a DM on Instagram. I'm AF Hayes there. You could comment on the YouTube video or feel free to send your ideas directly to my advice column submission email, which is hellohazeadvice at gmail.com. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can you know go ahead and like and subscribe if you haven't already. And if you already have, you can send this to a friend. Maybe they'll like it too.